0: When a boy loves a woman. Oh that's all I got. It's welcome enough. Wow. It's, it's enough. enough. Wow. That's it's just enough.
1: The, I think that's just the right amount. Yeah. You're like a <laughs> chef putting the last little seasoning on a great meal.
0: Uh, welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of Let's Hear It for the Boys. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I am Pete. And we are talking about what I know. And what I know is this was a gangbusters Ooh, crazy huge last Ooh. episode of season two. We're going to be talking all about it. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, turn away because here be spoilers. Uh, but since we are wrapping up the season here, I think a good place to start is talk about the season overall as well as this episode, what do you think? How do you think it tied up? What were your big impressions? Pete, I know you were holding on to it until we turned the recording on, so I'll turn to you first. Holy fucking
2: shit, a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) wow. Um, I'm very impressed with the choices that they made and how they move forward. It was crazy and upsetting at times, but, man, Can't expect anything less less for this show. I mean, how great of a show where you're, like, last step and you're still like, what the fuck is going to happen? And then a a ton of shit goes down. I mean, they really deliver on this app. Yeah, I mean, I
1: agree. Like, the way the season brings together so many disparate threads um, with all these characters sort of pays off uh, everybody's individual plots as well as sort of the larger themes of, like, What a father is, uh, what it means to uh, sort of grow up in this world and trying to be good or just trying to get by Um, and then setting up like a great cliffhanger um, that really puts us in a, a new spot, I think, is super exciting.
0: This is the... I completely agree. This is a great finale. Like you were saying, tied everything together really nicely. But the other thing that's so impressive about it is after a season where they plowed into a whale and heads exploded the last episode, uh, the action... in this season finale was phenomenal. They saved the best fights for laughs. They were satisfying on an emotional level and a physical level. Just great. Just great stuff. I I was happy,
2: so happy with this hour. The only thing that outshined the amazing action was the acting. I mean, Mm. the part where Homelander is like covered in blood, like going through so much emotional stuff and that kind of like last Kind of thing with him, in the woods was insane. Mm-hmm. Of course, then you got the yeah. thing about him later, where you're like, okay, it's still the boys, but goddamn, like really, just emotional stuff.
0: Now, this is an interesting question, and I think this is jumping ahead. Again, we're going to yeah. be briefly recapping the whole episode, but at the end of the episode, Stormfront is lying there on the forest floor. Do you think she later grew into a tree? Oh, that's a strong take—a really racist yeah, tree, a racist
2: horrible <laughs> yeah. tree. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: No. most no. trees are racist. Have you ever read ha, The Giving wow. Tree? That book is no, fucked up. No. That ha, book, The no, Giving Tree, he, is fucked up.
2: You can't up. say that. Yeah. All right? You don't he, he know he that. Gives the kid, he gives the that. kid
0: some racist advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: You can't, <laughs> you can't say t- trees are... Have super-
0: you ever
1: read The Racist Tree? It's like <laughs> The Giving Tree. <laughs> but way, way more
0: way more Poor, It's racist. worse. Trees. Don't read it.
2: All we do yeah. is take from them, and then you're going to go and call them racist. Come on.
0: It's like I always say: trees stand back and stand by. You know?
2: Oh, no, (laughs) don't, no. no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Too much? Maybe a little
2: too much right here at the top of the podcast. I don't know. I don't know if it's too much. Why do you? Why (laughs) do you have that queued up and ready to go like that? That's awful.
1: Some crisp satire uh, from Azalbs, though. I was baffled the
2: first time around. Come on, man!
1: If you want something to stand up and stand by, a tree is basically (laughs) doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Twenty-four-seven. Stop
2: saying that. Oh, yeah. They're not all trees. Do is stand up
1: and stand by. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Except for those fucking trees in the Wizard of Oz, and you got to watch out because they're also those are the most racist. They're so racist they start throwing apples at people.
0: Yeah, we we only have a limited amount of time on this podcast, but I think it's worthwhile to spend. (laughs) Yeah, we're running tape on this episode. (laughs) This is all tape. Yeah, but instead, rank trees uh, trees by racism. All right, hit me up. I'm going to say maple
2: number one. No, you've got to say birch is the birch? most righteous. Birch, Yes, oh, they it's got the, the white on streets. the outside, and, you know, come on. Yeah, The birch trees are
0: white supremacists. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> That's why they wear those white little armbands.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. All right, let's get into this episode and uh, talk about what happens here, because so much uh, goes on uh,
2: as we intimated... I would like uh, to just say... Yes. Racism is awful. Nazis are the worst. <laughs> the, uh, w- we joke around on the show, but please, if you're a Nazi or a racist, go away.
0: That's, Thank you for taking a strong I,
2: stance I on racism. Awful about the jokes we were making, so I had to just come clean a little bit.
1: And Pete, are you talking to our specifically our um, tree listeners out there?
2: <laughs> no, no,
1: I'm not. All the arboretums out there, please. Uh, we are anti-racists.
2: Yeah,
0: I think we could probably come out strongly against racism and white supremacy on this podcast. That's that's a stance that I feel comfortable taking. Good. Nice. Good. Yeah. Justin, why don't yeah, you say the word? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what
2: have I done? <laughs> well, be, look what you've done, Pete. Justin, why won't you denounce racism right now?
1: Uh, I I denounce white supremacists and racism on this boys' podcast. The ultimate bully pulpit is the boys'
0: podcast. Exactly. Uh, All right. So lots of stuff going on this episode in the season finale. As we mentioned, things come to a head with Homelander and his son, Ryan. Uh, They uh, took him away from Becca... Last episode, Becca is on the hunt Um, for Ryan. um, She escapes from her compound, finds Butcher, tracks him down, joins up with the boys. That doesn't turn out too well for her because she ends up eye-lasered in the woods and dying later on. Uh, But in the meantime, Ryan is palling around with Stormfront and Homelander. He is finally bonding with his dad, uh, which is uh, probably bad for everybody. Uh, hmm. But in the process, Stormfront uh, takes him... To a planet vault restaurant. Oh, I'll things go idea. very portly as he gets crowded. As predicted by Homelander, uh, the last episode, interestingly, uh, he kind of shuts down there. They take him to a cabin in the woods, the same cabin where Homelander was hooking up with Doppelganger oh, a couple that's of episodes right. back. Oh. Yeah.
2: I didn't there put that go. together until now. Oh. Do not shine a black light on oh. those walls, my
0: friend. Yeah. You, Pete, do you think he had a separate sex cabin and regular I living hoping, cabin? like
2: a family cabin and then a weird sex mm-hmm. cabin, you know.
0: Nope. Uh, That's not how that works. You're allowed one cabin here in the United States. (laughs) That's right. So, Homelander does comfort him and teaches him how to use his heat vision, explains that it comes from hatred. That pays off very badly later on as Stormfront attacks Becca. Ryan goes apeshit, uses his hate vision, blows Stormfront apart, uh, but also hits his mom in the process, as we mentioned. Uh, Now, this also ties into the boy's plan. Uh, They get some information surprisingly from A-Train, who's Steals it from the Church of the Collective. Stormfront is completely revealed as a Nazi to the entire United States and the world, which drives her a little crazy. But that's all part of their trap. They lure her to a location. The girls get it done by beating the shit out of her. uh, And uh, ultimately, Homelander shows up. He's distracted. But there's a big showdown in the woods after Becca is killed. Queen Maeve shows up reveals the blackmail that she has to a Homelander and gets one over at him. He does not want his horribleness revealed to the entire world, particularly as I guess he's seen what happened to Stormfront as a result of that. uh, And ultimately lets Butcher and Ryan go. But then Butcher... And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but Butcher kind of denies Becca's dying wishes and gives Ryan up to Mallory, who brings him to a safe location. Uh, and at the end, the boys are cleared of all charges. Huey and Starlight get back together. Starlight, Queen Maeve, and uh, oh my gosh, who's the. Uh, that's it, right? Are basically, the seven. Oh, A-Train is back in the seven. At back. Mm-hmm. He trains back of a seven to the Church of the Collective. The Deep is pretty pissed about that because he gets turned down by the Church yeah, of the Collective. And the big reveal at the end is the person who's making heads explode was none other than Newman, the Congresswoman. Newman. Newman, Newman who makes Alistair, the head of the Church of the Collective's head explode as well. And then Huey joins right. up. With Huey's her a contr- mole.
2: He'll figure it out. Huey, uh, I mean, up, Huey is not a mole. Not. Huey's <laughs> a mole. No, he knows no, all a bad eat at best
0: is a mole sauce, which is a delicious sauce that you can get on your enchiladas. Mm-hmm. It uh, joins up with our campaign, and that's where we end the season. I know I kind of jumped all over the place, but there's so much to deal with and so much to talk about here.
1: There's so much. and the, before, But the biggest issue we have to talk about is uh, the, the Chrysler building and uh, what, what you do standing on top of it.
2: Wait, oh, oh wow. right. Yeah. So we
0: do end with something that was so raunchy. Yes. They didn't use it in the first season of the show, but finally paid it off right here in the season finale, uh, though in a slightly different way. Uh, fans of the boys' comic books know there's a pretty famous scene where Homelander jerks off in the air. And it rains on New York City And people are like, huh, this is a weird rain What's going on here? And it's Homelander's Come, it's all yep. over the city mm-hmm. We don't get the rain but and That's we do- true, in,
1: but we live in New York That's a true thing that happens, just not a superhero
0: Yes, oh, exactly All the time. Oh, it's man. mostly uh, Mayor de Blasio <laughs> oh, oh, Wow <laughs> No, I'm wow. just kidding. He's That's only a... shitting on us all oh.
1: the time. Wow. wow. Alex wow. is not just nonstop hot takes today. I don't know what the deal
2: yeah. is. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: on fire, man. Yeah, you uh, are. Yeah. Literally, you're physically burning. Yeah. Yes, we're doing this over Skype, and you can see that I am literally— I only have a couple of moments left to get out my hot political takes before I explode. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we do get that, and I love this riff on it that they do the classic Batman superhero pose. As he ejaculates, he's standing in front of the moon on a gargoyle. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it, it in the same way, like we've been talking about, and like I think Pete, you brought up, it
2: emotionally pays off Homelander's arc at the same time, which is why I was not talking about that part. I was talking about the wood stuff. But Well, him I think it's him
1: saying I can do whatever I want. Him feeling both, yeah, but uh, power, the look powerful kind of, and powerless. At yeah, the, same the time. look on his
2: face, uh, you know, making it it's very clear that he is also powerless as well. And I think that's a, it's just a really
1: great metaphor. It's amazing to me they had this shot already and they they found just the
2: perfect space to slot it in. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I would like to say though, they did mention that the uh the sex cabin and then also the family cabin is in Rochester. They gave a little shout out to Rochester. So
0: Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah, they could yeah. probably pop off and get a garbage plate, right, Pete?
2: Yeah, I mean if they're smart,
1: you know, but so. now the sex cabin business is big up where you're from, right?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> lovely cabins you can rent for, you know, whatever sex. you want to do
0: with them in Rochester. Nice. Yeah, that's the town slogan, right? Whatever you want to do with the hey, Rochester. whatever you
2: fucking want to do, just get a garbage plate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sports, let's talk, talk through this.
0: Let's talk through all these storylines. I mean, I think we could even kind of run through this episode because so many different disparate things happen. Uh, but we kicked off with that fun supervillain attack PSA, which I know we yeah. love this all the time, but just such a smart bit of cultural commentary there Scary,
1: scary, but, uh, but but also there are jokes in it as well Like, I love these I would do, if they, in the next season they did one of these per episode I'd be down for it
2: Because you love a tight package
1: Yeah, I do love a tight package <laughs> Thank you for always saying that um, But it just is a nice way to put, to your point Alex Put some, like, cultural commentary right at the top of the episode And it really kicks us off in a in, interesting
2: way That whole, uh, like, your teacher will have a gun, like, was just like, oh, Jesus. I mean, teachers are doing so fucking much right now. It's just, uh, oh. Yeah, with the supervillains and everything. Uh,
0: The other thing about it, I mean, this is pretty obvious, but that we know from watching this show— That these measures are about as effective as like putting up some tissue paper, you know, in front of the door or something like that. And that's the same thing with these gun preparedness drills where it's it's fucking stupid, like it is going to lead to more deaths than uh, save necessarily lives. And it's sad and horrifying to see that stuff at the same time, as Justin, you were saying, it's also a very funny PSA at the same time. And that's a hard line to walk.
1: He yeah, did. and especially like you know the best uh, using superheroes as a metaphor to comment on our real world is is such a good way. Uh, it's what this show is great at, and this is just another example of that. They would get lines later throughout the episode, like if Vought took a shit in the middle of Fifth Avenue, they would throw a ticker tape parade, like sort of a oblique Trump reference. And throughout the episode, we're getting closer and closer to actual politics um, as but, this season's gone on.
2: Also I mean that the you know the w of law is wait you know and it's also a really interesting kind of thing where you're waiting on someone to save you you know and it's yeah. like that's the superheroes is that you know and it's just uh it's very powerful and it's kind of insane the way they kind of sat in that and that uh PSA it was really I mean, this show, as gross as it is, it's also really smart and uh, says a lot of great things.
0: My only, the only downside, I think, with that promo is the URL they put up at the end, com slash active supervillain, just redirects to Sony's website. Come on, people. If you're going to put a URL, a fake URL in a TV show, build the website. Wow. Do the effort.
2: Come on. Wow. A shot or across the bow to. Is that exactly uh, what they want you to do? Just go to Sony. Oh. Well, Ooh, if, if there is a
0: supervillain attack, well, I highly recommend go to saying Sony.
2: Sony is Vought. I mean, that's basically what they're saying by that.
0: Mm, mm. Interesting. Did Vought invent the Walkman? Is my big question. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Then we get a a nice scene with good old Jim Beaver talking to Newman and Mallory about the coup. Again, very, like, direct political commentary about they can't do anything here. Um, I like the scene quite a bit, and I love seeing Jim Beaver. I'm glad that they brought him over from Supernatural to this and such a different character. Um, It's a lot of fun.
2: Now, it was kind of this fun bit about, like, where's my flag pin, you know? And that kind of reminded me of, uh, you know... Where is my super suit? You know, nobody else? No? <laughs> sure. No. Okay. Sure. No. Yeah. That yeah. sounds not, like though.
0: something you're saying. I mean, there, there's a lot of talk about thoughts and prayers here as well. Oh, so, yeah. again, yeah. Uh, you know, pretty pointed. Why don't we talk about Starlight and her mom uh, and the yes. cross because yes, that's a I, good storyline of this episode. Justin, you want to take this one?
1: Yeah, it plays out at the end. Uh, Starlight's with her mom, who gives her her cross uh, back, and she she wears it. And by the end of the episode, she's sort of rediscovered uh, her her faith. Uh, she's back. Um, on the religion tip, something that had affected her so poorly in the uh, throughout her life and in the first season, we really explored that. And I thought it was such an interesting choice. And she says if uh, – is the line like if Butcher can um, – Yeah, if know, Butcher a-
2: can do the right thing, then yeah. God is real basically is what she's saying. What do you think about that takeaway? Because to me it feels – it feels like a weird uh,
1: spin backwards for her when I, I didn't mm. see that coming.
2: Also, Butcher like did the good thing for like a couple minutes and then like gave his son or well, the kid away, not his son, but you know.
1: Well, I mean, we, we can talk about that uh, later. But I th- I think the reason Butcher gave Ryan away is because he sort of had completed his fathering
0: uh, abilities when he said, "Don't be a cunt."
2: Yeah, he was like, "Well, <laughs> got kids all right now." Well, yeah, the Butcher like,
0: thing, I actually do think. Uh, We're jumping around and I think we can talk about both things, but the butcher giving up Ryan thing is the right thing for him to do. It's a bad and a sad thing because he is denying Becca's dying wish, but he's not going to be able to do anything else for Ryan. And he knows he's going to slip and try to kill him at some
2: point, you know? Well, I don't know if he tried, if he would slip and kill him, but I don't think he could give that kid a good life. But also, like, what I'm worried about is when you put a kid in a truck and drives away, like, what happens to that kid? Like, is it going to be another Homelander situation where everybody's scared of that kid and a bunch of asshole scientists try to raise him? You know what I mean? Like, where is that kid going? Like, I just wanted a little, like, butcher to be like, hey, man, you can call me, you know, whatever. This isn't it, you know? uh, I think, you know, Mallory, hopefully,
0: we would hope, if we want to look at the positive end— is probably bring Ryan into a more positive situation than Homelander was, but that's the risk there. Right. But at the same yeah. time, there's that incredible Carl Urban shot when they are in the woods before Homelander lands where he, Becca has just died and he picks up the crowbar and he's looking yeah. at Ryan. Yeah. And I think that's what butcher knows butcher knows that that's the moment he's always going to come back to at some point the second anything goes wrong with Ryan. So to keep him safe and, in you know, a in a twisted way, honor Becca's wishes, he has to send him away because the safest thing is to keep him away from himself.
1: I think that's 100% right. Like, he blames, he fully blames Ryan for Becca's death. There's no, like, he can't put it up, like, a, chalk it up to a mistake or some a kid that did, wasn't aware of his powers. He already hates soups in general. So I think he is sort of honoring Becca's wish by sending him off. And... I think that will come back to haunt perhaps everyone.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, because that sending a kid off isn't the answer. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to have some kind of at least oversee where he's going to go. You know what I mean? No, like, Jesus I think Christ, scene, that kid's going to be so pissed.
1: I think the CIA and other government organizations are great um, orphanages and great yeah, I disagree uh, with that. places
0: to go. No, I don't um, think that's a, what they're A lot about.
1: of the like the FBI offices, they're just kids running around <laughs> loose everywhere.
0: Yeah, and we're not just saying this because the FBI is watching us through our webcams right now, mm-hmm. but I do want to say to the FBI agent watching us, thank you for
2: raising us. Fuck you, yes. FBI person listening <laughs> to this. Whoa.
1: Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. man. Pete, what is with this episode really got everybody pretty cute. Up,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I was, when uh, Starlight got the cross, I was like, oh shit, I think Vought gave this to the mom to give to Starlight or something, like there's a tracking thing in the cross or something. Wow. That was my first thought, and then I was like, come on, you know. Did you ever think that maybe Jesus gifted it to her? Ooh,
1: Yeah, the ultimate FBI is Jesus. (laughs) He's always watching. He's like Santa, but for, you know, not presents.
0: Well, since we've gotten back to this, I do want to talk about the starlight moment and comment on what you were saying earlier, Justin, about getting the cross. Uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, but certainly as very, very heavily lapsed in religion myself, my initial reaction when I see something like that is always, ooh, that's a bad thing. They're going back to religion. But I don't think that is actually the thing for Starlight, and I don't think they're saying that with the show. I do think her coming back to religion is a very positive thing, both for her and the character, because what she is dealing with is developing faith. You know, she had it set in a certain way for her and told to her in a certain way as a kid, and finding it again as an adult and finding her faith in God, finding her faith in religion, figuring out what it means to her in this new reality is ultimately I think a very positive thing, and you look yeah. at that through her getting her old costume back, the costume that she believes in she is returning to these things, but she can move forward in a, like I said before a more developed way and
2: especially when uh you know for starlight who's kind of haven't struggling with a lot of things like to see kind of her make a positive thing out of something that was once negative is nice because you have Maeve who is like literally screaming, nothing ever changes. It's a shit show. Fuck it all. And she's kind of making positive choices and, and doing things to try to kind of believe in that kind of stuff. So it's nice to kind of see those two kind of different choices, especially.
1: But it's taking ownership of her life, I think. Um, she's something – her faith ended up hurting her a lot uh, throughout season one, and so it's kind of coming to uh, back to that as a thing that she's in control of now. And I feel like that goes for Huey as well here at the end of this episode where he's sort of like taking ownership of everything that happened. He's maybe in a good place with Starlight, and he's like, okay, I'm ready to make a change Unfortunately, it's him walking into um, uh, the campaign of someone who we learn is a <laughs> terrifying um, Yeah, so <laughs> Yes. He,
2: it's a smart – Huey is really playing chess out there and making everybody think he's playing checkers. But uh, all, I think that also like – No, at, at the best, he's playing like go fish. Uh, yeah, exactly. Huey, he's
1: playing coin toss and some, <laughs> somehow he gets it tails and it sprays blood in his face. Well, That's the a, Huey way
2: the fun Huey through line here of shitting on Huey where even the mom's like really the anxious kid with the weird handshake, you know, and then also like Maeve calling him a twink and being like this guy, like uh, that's kind of a fun uh, through line there.
0: That is fun. Uh, do we want to, we can certainly jump to the end and talk about Alexandra Newman and then come back to the episode itself. Uh, what do you think, About And and I know this is very pointed, but uh, similar to the religion thing, I think it sort of twists the way we, the three of us, probably feel about this. Having the AOC stand-in be the person who literally makes people's heads explode, I love that twist, but it also makes me nervous to turn her into a bad guy, potentially, in season three. How do you guys feel about it?
1: I really like it as a choice because um, the show is... uh a lot of people in the response online a, a bit from this season is like, that it's like anti-Trump. And so the fact that it's sort of taking an eye on just power in general here, because while it may be like, oh, this is standing for AOC, like it's, it's not meant to be specifically AOC is a dangerous supervillain. I think it's like people that chase power um, ha- are dangerous. And to have that flip at the end, I feel like, Sort of depoliticizes it a little bit And is just a great twist uh, in general
0: Pete, you do not need to raise your head. I just have a question <laughs> uh, yes. So
2: the The head exploding power is weird Because she was in the courtroom Kind of freaking out like everybody else was But when we saw the power being used Like she had this glazed over Like to use it She had to turn into something. So I was a little confused when I saw that. I think, uh, and
0: Justin, I don't know if you can speak more to this because maybe you do have uh, the inside scoop here, but mm. my takeaway Scoops. is when we see her eyes glazing over after she makes Alistair's head explode is that was a visual indicator to make it 100% clear that she was the person who did it.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. And in because in the scene from last episode in the courtroom, if she was sitting there with his, her eyes glazed over, it would have been a little
2: obvious what was happening. <laughs> but I do love the fact that they were well, in. How, how can, can she? Yeah. How can she do it without doing the eye glaze then?
1: It might be sort of a distance thing or it might be that they just uh, sort of – we just missed the eye glazing part or – I mean we don't actually know how the power works or maybe she has other people who uh, are working with her to amplify it. Uh, It's definitely not the only person who can make a head explode in this world. Um, So yeah, I I wasn't bothered by it. I like it as a reveal. It's very – um like nineteen fifties murder movie just like mm-hmm. dun 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 and I thought that was great.
0: Well and she was she was weaved into the season from the very beginning. I mean this is something that I think is if I remember correctly, right after Rainer's head explodes, yep. th- the episode cuts to Alexandra Newman on TV. So, like, right in the first episode, even though you don't know who she is, they are telling us who did this right at the very beginning. They're weaving in there. There's no way you could figure it out, necessarily. There's no way you could know. But that is a very smart mystery there to layer that stuff in, give you all the clues, but not actually reveal it until the very end. Because I don't think... There wouldn't, to your point about the courtroom scene, her reaction, the way that they played that, there's no way you could have necessarily figured out it was her, but she was there, yeah, you know, and she was not affected. So uh,
2: it doesn't seem impossible. We just don't know exactly how her powers work yet. Why is she sabotaging her own courtroom? You know what I mean? Like, how is that part of her evil plan? You know, because like she was trying to do something completely different and then everybody blew up and then she couldn't have her day in court.
1: Well, clearly there's a deeper ulterior motive that we aren't aware of yet, but the okay. fact that she's tied up with the church of the collective. And that's another thing that we've seen a lot of this season, but I don't know how it works. I don't know exactly what the implications are there. Follow it feels the like Fresca and you'll get your answers. Fuck Fresca. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I like it as a twist and it takes something that felt like it was some sort of like metaphor almost. And makes it a
0: real storyline going into the next season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's jump back and talk about Frenchie and the female because there's some fun and very sweet stuff with them throughout this episode. I do want to call out that amazing shot of as Frenchie is building weapons and Kamiko just walks across screen with a bazooka that's as yeah. big as oh, her. Oh, yeah, that was great. Very yeah. funny. Yeah,
2: because they're talking uh, about killing Roadrunner and she walks by with like this cartoonish bazooka. It was really great. Great. It's a great shot. Uh, but what do you think about their storyline?
0: Because they really have reached a new level in their relationship here. They They're going leave, dancing.
2: Leave the season by going dancing. How do you feel about Pete? I'm excited for it. I'm excited for them to be together. And I think they bring out good things in each other. So, I mean, that's a great sign for the future.
1: I really again like uh, I hate to come in swinging the swinging with the ideas, but as the romantic comedy expert on the podcast oh, you're a piece and of shit. sort
2: of <laughs> I let that the, go last time. Don't fucking throw that around again. I think, you think I have a sharper eye on romance as far as
1: uh, the two of you. Oh um, my it god, feels it feels like they're not in a You're more of an expert on romance, is what yes, you're claiming. Right. That's what I'm saying. I've seen all of the
2: movies and uh, TV shows about romance. It does not make you an Netflix. expert on ro- romance, man. You nice. can see it, but you got to experience it to be an expert. I, I did oh, love. Are when you we're flirting talking. with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was not.
1: Uh, I the Frenchie Kamiko relationship feels like that. It's uh, just a very tight
0: platonic friendship. Ooh. I. No, I agree with you on that. Uh, Even with the dancing at the end, it's very sweet. It's very nice. But my favorite moment between the two of them was just the nice, relatively subtle payoff of her signing in front of Stormfront. And I'm forgetting the exact line, but Frenchie basically be understanding it finally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was great. Like, it's a great line, uh, him him being like, she's going to fuck you up or whatever he (laughs) says. Uh, But uh, the fact that he understands the language now and they've taken the time, we've had a little bit of a time dash there where he has taken the time to understand their signs. It's good. It's just, it's a nice, nicely written, nicely weaved in way of tying up that relationship for the season.
2: But it was also really cool the way Frenchie was like, saw that she was anxious about how she would handle herself. And he was like, I believe in you. I think you will do great. You know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. What about Maeve? Maeve has a big arc
0: here and comes and saves the day right at the end. Twice uh, she does twice. it. Well, she also did it last episode, too, which I thought was interesting. Like, she's popped in out of nowhere. Last episode to take down Black Noir. This episode, she uh, pops in to help take down Stormfront. There's the amazing... Hey, Krog. Oh what's... What, what's the Quentin Tarantino Grindhouse movie? Um, grindhouse? No, but his half of Grindhouse. Yeah, uh, isn't there like a number in the title? Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, that one, it, it was very a very similar shot with the uh, women all kicking Stormfront at the end there.
2: Oh, yeah, that's. Uh, oh, that was so good with what's-his-face is the driver guy, Stuntman Mike.
0: Death Proof? Death, Death Proof. proof. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Zoe Bell and everybody else kicking yeah, shit out. Was, was it great. Kurt Russell?
2: One of the great... Maybe? Yeah, Kurt Russell. One of the great endings to a movie of all time. Like, really top 10 greatest endings to a movie. It really is. I yeah. mean, they just kick the shit out of him, and
0: then they all jump in the air and freeze. Yeah, and run seeing it in the theater; music. People yeah, lost their mind. But this seemed to be very visually reminiscent of it in the way I'm watching that and seeing Queen Maeve come in... I was like, who's going to say it? Who's going to say it? girls get it done? Who's yeah. going to say it? Please pay it just off. Just great. And then the way Frenchie delivered that line, perfect.
1: Yeah, it was really, this whole fight sequence was great. It, yeah. You could, you just were like, were right there with them rooting. So Even sad. though you, you knew there was going to be a big fight at the end of this episode, but the way they sort of surprised us with it here it was just great. And to see Stormfront be utterly defeated um, by this group was just, so, was very satisfying.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then she that, ran away. Yeah. Well, sure, she ran away, but then she got lasered to death and stumped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then she could only and, talk in like her horrible Nazi talk. Yeah.
1: Do you think she's dead?
2: Stormfront. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know.
0: Maybe she's come back from worse. I could see the fact that she was still talking. I could see her preserved somewhere by Vaught. Yeah. You know, or harvested in some way, potentially, like a tree, perhaps. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> oh, my God. You're the worst. These apples taste weird. <laughs> yeah. These apples no. taste German. <laughs>
1: it tastes like raisins. Uh, now,
0: a moment I wanted to talk about, because we've touched on this uh, quite a bit in the past couple of episodes of the podcast, in terms of the divide of evil between Stormfront and Homelander— is there's a scene when Stormfront is appealing to Ryan at the cabin and talking to him and trying to explain there's a war against people oh, like us. That was awful. Which is awful, uh, but there's a great shot in the middle there that I do think points to the divide between the two characters where she says it's called White Genocide and it cuts yeah. to Homelander yeah. and he very <laughs> subtly does like a eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you guys think about that?
1: I think it's it's such a fine line to draw, and they do a great job of making it uh, – they know they're going to get rid of Stormfront at the end of this episode. But to keep Homelander sort of as this character that we are – just have to keep watching because he's so weird and complex and interesting. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't know about all that. I just want to fuck around and be famous and uh, be be cool. <laughs> um I think it's such a smart move to give him that little
0: out, that little like, whoa, what did you say? Moment. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to call out was everybody's reactions to Becca and meeting her, which I thought was a really fun running bit throughout the episode. Everybody's just like giddy, like Christmas morning where they get to see her. Fun <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff.
2: Uh, other things we could probably call I mean, that- it was great where Mother's Milk was like, I've heard a lot about you. You know, that was mm-hmm. really sweet. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk. He he. Uh, short shrift is probably too strong. But if there is a character that doesn't quite get the do in this episode, it's probably Mother's Milk. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would even say the, the, end, the season. Though-
1: I feel like Mother's Milk just didn't get a ton. He was there sort of being the the person that kept everyone together a little bit but mm-hmm. he didn't have a strong uh solo storyline this whole season.
2: Well, he had like a lot of like small moments throughout the thing. I agree he was robbed overall, but I was happy he got to have his happy ending <laughs> robbed uh and like got to be with his family at the end. I mean, that's really Yeah, a- no.
1: It's nice, but I'm just saying. Like, um, hopefully, in the next season, he will um, have a little bit more uh, of a, a central
0: role. I guess. I hope what so. What happened to his Victorian dollhouse? Did he ever finish it? We never found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I'm a sure dangling it's the first plot thing, line.
2: It's that first thing. Next season, they'll they'll pay that off. First yeah. shot, oh, man. Uh, for sure. First shot, first, first shot. shot. Two interesting conversations with Mister
0: Edgar in this episode. One with Alistair. And one with Butcher, uh, both in very different directions with very different results. What were your big takeaways from those? What did you like? What did you think was interesting?
2: Well, it was nice to see that he was like Fresca is awful. You know, I'm not going to drink that shit.
0: Yeah, that oh, was nice. That was your nice. big takeaway? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was my big takeaway. Great. I think we could just call that a takeaway, not <laughs> a big takeaway. <laughs> um, I-, I think Edgar sets up, again, as sort of the overarching ice cold villain um, above all the hand that is guiding all of this stuff. Um, and I think how can like Giancarlo Esposito, like just plays these scenes. So like dead eyed and perfect it's uh, the way that they are able to sort of touch like corporate power, political power and all these different ways and still keep the show, the balloon in the air for the, for an episode like this is, is great.
0: I, uh, I was bummed about Alistair dying just because I like their scene together so much. And the idea that Edgar and Vaught in general have this almost detente with the Church of the Collective, I thought was a really fascinating thing to see play out. Um, Not the Church of the Collective is necessarily done. It could certainly come back the next season, Uh, but it'll be curious to see how Edgar works with whoever... I don't know, a sed's or whatever they're gonna call it with Church of the Collective.
2: I really thought that was an amazing moment when his head exploded because for a second it was like he took a drink of the fresca and there was a shot of the bloody fresca on the ground. It was like, Was it the fresca the whole time? Is Fresca mm. making people's heads explode? Mm. So mm-hmm. then, Certainly mine because of how delicious it is. Oh, stop. You can't <laughs> wow. say that it's delicious. I love delicious.
0: it. I have been nonstop looking for Fresca in my neighborhood whenever I go out to no. a deli or grocery why store or anything that? like that. Nobody sells it. It's very it's weird. It's Why would you put that on your shelves? I don't know. I wanted to uh, drink one in, uh, while we were doing a podcast. I know you guys, but it's not available. Ah, yeah. oh, what a What a disaster. You could just yeah. drink a mix. Uh,
1: leave out Mountain Dew out in the sun for a couple of days and drink that. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically Fresca. Or
2: you, if you just like sweep off your porch and then put that into bubbly fizzy water, then you're set. Fresca.
1: Or just take an old lemon and um, just stick it in your, like, cheek. And that's basically <laughs> fresco. <laughs>
0: that was the original fresco back in the day. So, back The, back Pil- in the 19- Pilgrim fresco they called it. Mm. All right. I'll have to try that. Uh, I also did love the specificity of the scene with Edgar and Butcher later on in the episode. Just the things that Edgar was ordering uh, and the power dynamic there. So it's going to be very interesting to see that going forward. Um, what else should we talk about? Any other any other plot uh, points you guys want to call out? Well, I do
1: think um, it's—so so the team, the Seven going forward, is everyone hates everyone, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got Mave and Starlight, who are sort of a newfound um, friendship, or at least they're on the same page, it seems like. But then you've got Homelander, who's being blackmailed by Maeve, who knows that uh, S- Mave and Starlight are um, doing their own thing, have sort of gone rogue against Vaught. Um also Storm uh Homelander has probably blames them for the death of Stormfront. Then you got A-Train who's back on um doing his own thing uh looking out for himself I guess. And then spots for new members like that's a real hotbed. How is this team going to function?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And is Black Noir dead? I, I don't
1: I thought so. I, I also thought so too. I, I do think there's a strong uh he could be a candidate for having just a clone show up.
0: Hmm. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, potentially some new team members in the next season, which could be kind of interesting. Uh, also just a side note, but talking about a train, the scene where he just shows up in the car with Huey and starlight is oh so God, funny so and
2: so well done. Their,
0: yeah.
2: their scream
0: there is great.
2: Also like th- the way that like a train just kind of takes off running. It makes me so scared. He's going to run through somebody again. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Uh, but i yeah i was really happy with that scene and like that whole kind of interaction where they kind of were like hey I owe you want no no you know like and now they're, everybody's okay uh so it'll be interesting to see like that dynamic moving forward um also i i really want to talk about homelander and like the cabin and ryan because it seemed like Homelander was really trying to help his son. Like, I mean, we know he's awful, but, like, the way he was, like, outside and Stormfront was like, go in. What are you doing? You know what I mean? He was like, I'm trying to give him a space, you know. It was like, that was really kind of, like, interesting to kind of see this. I mean, there's so many. It's not the way Homelander is played is just so multi-dimensional. It's very interesting. And, and it's, I, for a second, was really wondering if he, if Homelander was gonna kind of like, be like, "Hey, fuck this racist lady," let's like really try to get you somewhere else, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a
0: good breakdown of it. The other side of it, though, is as sweet as it is to see Ryan cuddle up with Homelander and as touched as Homelander is, it's sort of like if Luke Skywalker gave Darth Vader a big hug, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's not good for Ryan. It humanizes Homelander, but I think all of that is broken out uh, of him by the end of the episode, which makes him all the more dangerous going into season three. Uh, On that note, Lots of stuff to talk about. And I know we touched on this a little bit, but going into season three, there's a lot of plates in the air, a lot of things going on. There's also the news that we haven't really talked about here on the podcast, that there's going to be a boys spinoff focusing on Vaught University and college-focused soups. As this universe continues to expand and we get both season three and the spinoff, though there's no timeline on when that's coming out. uh, What do you want to see? What do you expect? What are you interested in?
1: I'm curious what – I mean they covered so much both uh, plot-wise and uh, like cultural commentary-wise. I'm very curious what avenue they're going to go down. Is it going to be further getting into like politics? Um, Is there another angle on like sort of the military-industrial complex they want to take on? Or like what is the the sort of the thing or the theme of the next season? Uh, Because I I couldn't – I can't really predict what it would be.
2: It'll be interesting to see, like, for next season. I'm very excited to see this kind of like Newman thing unfold and how Huey's going to kind of stumble into another adventure. Um, but as far as the university is concerned, I'll be very interested to see like what kind of message the school is about. Like, are they cranking out like minions? Are they cranking out like is it gonna, actual minions? Is it yeah. like going to be like Banana. A, right? Uh, Banana. <laughs> right, Pete. Uh, yeah. Or is it going to be like a sidekick superhero (laughs) divide, you know, like sky high, you know, fantastic movie again, Kurt Russell killing the game. Uh, But I think it's like, how are, you know, like, what's the school going to be about? Don't go overboard. Not the remake, (laughs) the OG yeah, wow. of course, always. Uh
0: yeah, I think it will be interesting to see as this uh continues to expand and clearly Amazon is all into it. There's a danger there it could be too yeah. much. Uh, despite the fact that you know, The Boys is a monster hit by Amazon standards. Uh and you know, they expand the franchise. I don't know if you guys are aware of this with uh Prime Rewind inside The Boys, which oh, also er- that Yeah, just a little plug oh, there. Plugging it up. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully that'll come back for another season as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Justin, would you like that? I would like that.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, the last (laughs) episode of, uh, Inside the Boys is very good.
0: There you go. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, so there's definitely a danger of becoming too much and wearing out the audience, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, in terms of a little indicator of the plot, we do know Jensen Ackles is coming in as Soldier Boy, the original... Soup, the first one in the next season. Um, So certainly it seems like, again, they'll be plugging into Americana. They'll be plugging into the history of Vaught, the history of Soups, and delving into that more. The thing that I do wonder about is we are getting this season, season two, before the presidential election. (laughs) We're getting season three after the presidential election. Who knows what America's going to be like after that? Oh, please,
1: they did a good job of feeling present um mm-hmm. last for last season coming uh writing last se- this season 2 and it premiering when it did uh, but uh, you're right the world could be very different and, and the episodes are i believe already written uh they're interesting. uh so mm, we'll see can i yeah we'll definitely see
2: i wanted to ask you guys there's a moment where uh storm uh stormfront is like oh people just hate the word nazi and i was just kind of like wow you were missing Uh, a lot about what the public thinks about that Um, and I was just kind of surprised because she's always seemed to step ahead of everything and with that it kind of like I was like oh you you dumb you're you're not really aware of uh, what the perception of that Uh, did that kind of grab you guys at all or
1: I mean, I think this episode was about showing her to exposing her as someone who seemed like she was on top of everything. But once uh, she was exposed, even just a little bit, it all fell apart uh, very quickly. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I think that's also very accurate to those types of people in the modern era. I mean, look at like we're having a lot of discussions right now as we're taping this about Proud Boys, which is Nazis. Or what was the I'm forgetting what they called them right after the election. But there were so many meet the dapper racist, you don't know about type articles that came out, where it was just reframing people with a different word, but it's still the same thing. So that's what they keep trying to do. And they keep trying to say the same racist bill of goods. Um, But hopefully it doesn't work. Hopefully people are onto it. Unfortunately, a lot of people just aren't like it does work that way. So they believe in their horrific ideology. They think People on the outside are like, oh, you just don't like Nazis, but you like, you know, you are against white genocide, which is also a made up fucking term. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it seemed pretty consistent to me. I understand what you're saying, Pete, but I think like it was right on with people in the modern era.
2: Yeah. Also, it kind of like because she survived so many things and had to come back as different people, like maybe that's, you know, she's like, oh, I just rebrand myself and then I'm, I'm OK, you know. Yeah.
0: Uh, last but not least, we should probably talk about Billy Joel and "Only the Good Die Young," which wow. plays twice in the episode. Fun, uh, great song, great song, fun. Great song. Feels a little different in the modern era. Uh, and <laughs> wow, it
2: does. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I thought it was really funny how Starlight was kind of speaking for all of us when she was like, "Okay, Huey, what's the fucking deal with Billy Joel?" You know? <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of like a fun how at first he was like, "What?" Oh, Joe's great, and then kind of slowly he kind of revealed the real reason.
1: He talks about his mom. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. I do think. Well, there was this song, and then um, uh, we heard "God Only Knows" by the Beach Boys mm-hmm. um, at the sort of in the climax time. And I do think the way I took these songs is uh, sort of the dark side meaning of each of them, like "Only the Good Die Young." A bunch of people have died and now we have all these sort of flawed people who are left around who are now the main characters of the show. Uh, so well, that's sort of interesting.
2: I th- I kind of took it as only the good die young and this really old racist person lady here <laughs> is old as fuck and she's dead, you know, so that's – she's not well, good. I
0: mean if we do actually want to delve more into the lyrics, but uh, – I think you're right, Justin, but there's also, like I was intimating, there is the modern recontext of that song is Billy Joel's character. And the song is trying to convince a Catholic girl to have sex with him, like trying to cajole yeah. her into doing what? something that she did. Come out, come out. Virginia, don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. Sooner oh or God. later, it comes down to fate. You, know you might as words? well be the one.
1: Yes, of course. Have you never listened? You got to listen to the word. Oh, Songs man. are both music and words. The <laughs> words are like words we use. So they
2: have, you know. They I don't pay me. attention to when you're talking, Justin. Just like Billy Joel, what, I'm like, oh, what this if sounds I was nice. singing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a great song, but again, great from a song. modern context, it doesn't context, seem like it is. You just said he's trying to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like my point is, that's what the show is really about. Is like this sweet fun thing, but has this darkness under it that when you really think yeah. about it, it's like, <laughs> All of these people are trying to convince people to do things that they don't necessarily want to do oh, under no. the guise of isn't this fun, isn't this exciting? So it really did feel like the perfect song on multiple layers to end the season with, particularly as Huey signs up with Alexandra Newman. Uh, even if in the intervening years, I have uh, personally soured on that song a little bit. Uh, it's, it, it was a nice, very smart way of uh, playing it over the ending credits.
1: And uh, for, for the other song, "The God Only Knows, I think the same thing, the flip perspective on it, where it's like, God only knows where I'd be without you. I'd probably be in a better p- place because mm-hmm. everyone here is just damaging each other yeah. um, because they've they come to this confrontation. Uh, and I think that's so smart to play it that way.
0: Before we wrap up here Let's talk about ta- Best boy Best boy For the episode <laughs> I don't know What we're doing uh, Best boy Question for the mark ep- <laughs> uh, Best boy For the episode And best boy For the season Overall Pete, Ooh. You raised your hand first Go for
2: it uh, I was going to say For the episode Maeve um, Came through mm-hmm. Like a Mack truck Just laying down The hammer Just that Hey crowd line Was glorious Um It was nice to see her finally kind of step up and fight the fight. And uh, she did it throughout the ep. And um, she had a tough season. But, um, yeah, it was really impressive to see her, like, be there when the chips were down. So I I uh, would—for the season, though, it's hard. Um, Man, I want to say Black Noir so bad. But I'm going to have to say— Homelander. I mean, the the acting that this guy is doing, the complexity that this actor is pulling off and making him such a... It's all revolving around Homelander, so it's hard not to pick Homelander. Justin, what about you? Uh,
1: For the episode, I gotta give it up to Butcher, I think. Like, Mm he uh, had a lot of... Between the Revelations, last episode, about his family. In this episode, he had to deal with a lot and um, still be this sort of, like... Too cool for school badass while also being, you know, losing the woman he loves, being put in this bad position as uh, in, being in charge of Ryan, moving past that and still being like, all right, now we're still going to be this uh, anti super soup team uh, moving forward. Great episode for for Butcher. And then uh, since he took Homelander, Pete, I'm going to give it up for the season to Huey uh Huey wow. went from Hughie went from being like despondent in the basement of the uh of the Haitian Kings uh, headquarters all the way through to being reunited with the woman that he loves uh I mean I think you last episode it. last episode was sort of like the best Huey moment of the season I think but it was great to see him uh just go on that journey
0: yeah, I gotta, I gotta copy you guys, I think. I mean, there were so many great moments over the course of the season, but Butcher for this episode, mostly for Carl Urban's acting job, which is amazing. Just he is being pushed in such big directions, and particularly in this episode, him reacting mostly with his eyes and just letting his face feel the full fury of his emotions when it comes to Ryan was so powerful to watch. And over the course of the season, Homelander, this was... Homelander season. This was Homelander's arc, not his redemption arc, but his our understanding more about where he's coming from arc. Played so well, ended so horrifically, and exactly in the right way with that shot on the rooftop. Just great, great stuff, uh, and a phenomenal season overall. Absolutely fantastic. Great. Thanks to all of you for listening to Let's Hear It for the Boys. Oh, give a quick
1: shout out wait. to Ashley uh, for this season, oh, yeah. also, Ashley. What a- what a great arc fully losing her hair by the end of it. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to see her seeing I, her next season. I
2: also want to say Mother's Milk had another amazing line where he was like lick my big black balls. That was really funny.
0: There we go
2: No better note to Ed Dodd Thank you all for listening Let's hear for the boys We'll
0: of course be back For season three Of course we will uh, As well as the spinoff If that comes first Who knows We'll cover both of them We'll see what happens yeah. Meanwhile You can check out Our live show Every Tuesday at 7pm E.T. To crowdcast yeah, Eastern at YouTube. time YouTube Happy to talk about the boys, answer any questions that you all might have. Hear it, number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast. More, Patreon.com slash ComicBookClub. Support this podcast and other podcasts we do. And we have lots more podcasts, so if you enjoy watching TV, enjoy talking about comic books, please do check all of them out. For the boys... Goodbye. Wow. wow. <laughs> okay.
2: Wow. Uh,
0: only
1: the good podcast die young.